0: This program is brought to you by Preserve Gold, the number one precious metals IRA provider. Call 855-962-3322.
1: The first American friend of met in Beijing this year. That's what Chinese leader Xi Jinping said to Bill Gates. The business magnate visited China and met with Xi on Friday. Just one day ahead of that meeting, the Gates Foundation pledged to pour millions into a Chinese medical research institute it helped established years ago. Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Microsoft's co-founder Bill Gates met with Chinese leader Xi Jinping on Friday. This comes just one day after the Gates Foundation pledged a $50 million donation to a Chinese medical research institute. The meeting took place at Beijing's Diaoyutai State Guesthouse, a diplomatic complex used to house foreign dignitaries. Xi called Gates an old friend, saying that he was happy to see the business magnate after three years. Gates, on the same token, said he was honored to meet with Xi, adding that there's a lot of important topics to discuss. The Chinese Medical Research Institute that's receiving the grant is called GHDDI. It was first established in 2016 with the help of the Gates Foundation, China's elite Tsinghua University, and the city of Beijing. The $50 million from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation is slated to bolster its drug research capacity over the next five years. Gates' connection with Beijing goes beyond GHDDI. Microsoft has been in China for more than 30 years and has a large research center there. Its web portal, Bing, is the only China-accessible foreign search engine. As the regime tightens its grip on the nation's digital sector, Bing's search results on a number of sensitive topics have been censored. Cybersecurity research group Citizen Lab found that Bing also restricts certain Chinese search results for U.S. users. Worth noting, it's rare for a Chinese leader to meet with a foreign business leader. Just recently, Apple CEO Tim Cook and Tesla CEO Elon Musk both visited China. But Gates is the only one who got to meet with Xi Jinping. Top U.S. memory chipmaker Micron is committing to a major China investment. The company announced Friday it would funnel over $600 million into its facility in the Chinese city of Xi'an over the next few years. Posting the news on social media platform WeChat, the company quoted its CEO saying the project demonstrates Micron's unwavering commitment to its China business and team. Some of those funds will be packaging equipment from a Xi'an-based subsidiary of Taiwan's Powertech technology. Micron has been using its gear in the factory since 2016 and said the investment would create 500 jobs. That's on top of offering contracts to 1,200 employees of PowerTech subsidiary. In total, the deal will grow Micron's China-based workforce to a total of over 4,500 staff. The company also plans to open a new production line at the plant. The announcement comes after China's cyberspace regulator zeroed in on Micron last month, blocking the country's key infrastructure providers from buying from the company. That's after it said Micron failed a security review. Micron is the United States' biggest memory chip maker. A controversial Chinese company is moving forward with a planned factory in Michigan. That's after clearing a hurdle that could stop construction in its tracks. Here's more.
2: The Chinese company is called Goshen. It's slated to build an over $2 billion battery plant in Michigan. The facility would make lithium-ion batteries used in electric cars. But it has been facing strong local pushback over its China ties. Goshen's bylaws require the company to operate a Chinese Communist Party cell within its management structure. Beyond that, it must carry out party activities, quote, in accordance with the Constitution of the Communist Party of China. The state of Michigan has approved over $170 million in taxpayer money for the plant. Supporters say it would create over 2,300 jobs. The locals are casting doubt.
3: They feel like these are Empty promises for jobs, just to try to get the community on board and supporting Goshen coming in.
2: Julie Reynolds has lived in West Michigan for over 20 years. She told NTD that locals staged rallies and protests, adding they're concerned about pollution and potential communist influence.
3: I don't think that we need to bring that in, invite that in, give them tax incentives to come over here when we're essentially fighting a battle with with China on many different levels. So I don't understand why we are um, bolstering up our enemies, uh, so to speak, instead of choosing a company that would better America, that would um, help our citizens
2: and hold true to our values. Amid the heightened tensions, Goshen took a pause and requested a review from CFIUS. The U.S. government agency scrutinizes foreign investment deals that could pose national security threats. Goshen said CFIUS decided the company's project is not in its jurisdiction, meaning it has no authority to block it. On that news, Goshen said it would move forward with the project. Reacting to the news, Congressman John Molnar called it a big disappointment. He represents the 2nd District of Michigan. Molnar added that it shows the flaws of the CFIUS process. It was basically them punting and saying it's not our job. NTD reached out to the Treasury Department and Goshen for comment, but did not hear back before airtime
1: is china's huawei one step closer to being chased out of the west the chinese telecoms giant is already banned in the u.s now citing similar security concerns a top european union official is calling on more eu countries to ban or restrict china's huawei and zte from their 5g networks warning about the quote high risk chinese 5g vendors the european commission on thursday announced it will no longer use services that rely on the companies So far, only 10 EU countries have followed suit. That's including France, Sweden, Romania, Belgium, Denmark and the Baltic countries. The commission urged all EU states to ban Huawei without delay, calling it no different than the bloc's previous victory over its reliance on Russian gas and oil. China responded later, saying it firmly opposes the ban on Huawei and that the EU Commission has no legal basis to block the firm. But a report by the Financial Times reveals another aspect. Despite the existing bans, Huawei is an active participant in an EU grant, totaling over $4 million. The fund is designed to help Huawei develop critical tech breakthroughs like AI, 6G, cloud computing, quantum sensing and autonomous driving. In the U.S., Washington has zeroed in on Chinese telecom companies in America's 5G networks. Concerns about the Chinese company's threat are partially due to a Chinese law passed in 2017. It allows Beijing to compel Chinese companies and their overseas subsidiaries to hand over user data if asked to do so. Woes from another China-based global lender, the new development bank, built by China to challenge the dollar, now needs dollars. Also known as the BRICS Bank, it was set up eight years ago by the world's biggest developing economies, Brazil, Russia, India, China and South Africa. With those nations representing 25% of global GDP, the bank was doing pretty well. But now an examination of its finances says it stopped making new loans after struggling to raise dollar funds to repay its debts. Tasked with reshaping international finance for Beijing, how did the BRICS Bank get here? Its members found they couldn't rely solely on China's banks and capital markets, so the BRICS borrowed billions of dollars in funding from Wall Street, a total of two-thirds of its borrowings. Then, after Russian troops marched into Ukraine in February 2022, Wall Street quickly became wary of lending to a bank almost 40 percent owned by Russia and China. Since then, the BRICS Bank has taken on debt at a rate nearly five times as expensive as previous loans to service old borrowings and stay current with its own fund. As a result, the bank essentially doubled the borrowing premium for its members. To bolster its resources, the bank is reportedly in talks with Saudi Arabia, Argentina and Honduras about becoming members. But little progress has been made so far. And in light of China's own economic slowdown, Beijing has been reluctant to give its own money to boost the BRICS bank. News from Washington. The U.S. has decided to rejoin UNESCO after six years as it looks to counter China's influence on the world stage. The return means the Biden administration has to pay $600 million in arrears in full. Is it money well spent? An expert breaks it down.
0: The bill, known as the Global Technology Leadership Act, would set up the Office of Global Competition Analysis. It will help determine whether the U.S. stays in the front of the pack in developing artificial intelligence. That's with an eye on adversaries like China. Senators Michael Bennett, Todd Young, and Mark Warner introduced the bill last Thursday. According to a statement from Bennett, The new office will assess technology competitiveness based on a fusion of intelligence and commercial data. These are often separated in intelligence and civilian agencies, respectively. Bennett said the separation blinds the U.S. in key technologies, like 5G and semiconductors. The Colorado lawmaker noted, We cannot afford to lose our competitive edge in strategic technologies like semiconductors, quantum computing, and artificial intelligence to competitors like China. Senator Todd Young said the bill would keep the national security community in sync to win the technological race against the Chinese Communist Party. The new bill comes as Senate Majority Leader Leader Chuck Chuck Schumer Schumer announced three briefings on AI. The congressman vowed to make tackling AI and outpacing Beijing his two top priorities this year. Meanwhile, the White House is mulling over a new regulatory regime to curb U.S. investment in Chinese companies. According to an earlier report, from 2015 to 2021, US investors made up one-fifth of those funding Chinese AI firms. The deals totaled over $40 million, almost 40% of the sums raised in China.
1: Several thousand South Korean and U.S. troops took part in a show of force on Thursday, considered among the biggest ever, complete with fighter jets, tanks, and drones. South Korean President Yoon Suk Yeol is overseeing the drills. <laughs>
0: Protecting national security by ourselves is the real peace. Only a powerful army that foes would not dare overcome, and an army that can win against enemies, can guarantee the freedom, peace and prosperity of South Korea
1: conducted near the border with North Korea, the drills are designed to respond to the North's nuclear and missile threats. The war game also marks the 70th anniversary of the military alliance between Seoul and Washington. But Seoul's closeness to the U.S. has prompted warnings from Beijing that the country has made, quote, wrong bets in the Sino-U.S. rivalry. Seoul has been pivoting to a hardline stance on China since Yoon took office. Last week, Seoul's foreign ministry summoned China's envoy after he accused South Korea of tilting towards the U.S. and away from China. Next, a Chinese teenager broke through the defense line amid a soccer game to hug his soccer idol Lionel Messi. The kid caught in the video broke onto the pitch from the corner. After his hug with the world's top soccer player, he tried to flee from the guards and surprisingly fast until later more security crews arrived. Audience members were heard laughing and cheering for the young man. It all happened during a friendly match between Australia and Argentina this Thursday. China invited the two teams to China's capital city Beijing. Besides the hug, the young man, surnamed D, also high-fived goalkeeper Emi Martinez. The match went back to normal after the short drama. Even though Messi told the coordinator to take it easy on the fan, the local police still put him in administrative custody. He's also facing a ban from attending similar matches within the next 12 months. A protest in Hefei, the capital of China's eastern Anhui province. Bank depositors made their voices heard last weekend, demanding their savings back. Authorities were quick to step in on the scene. Here's what happened.
4: The United Nations Educational, Scientific and Cultural Organization, or UNESCO, is an educational and cultural organization. After UNESCO's recognition of Palestine as a sovereign state in 2011, President Obama cut all the funds to the body. In its decision to accept Palestine, the organization cited Bethlehem. The city is known as the birthplace of Jesus and is a major destination for religious pilgrimages. The U.S. withdrew in 2019 under President Trump. UNESCO was first to announce the U.S. plan to rejoin. The Chinese ambassador to the organization was quick to criticize the U.S. for its earlier exit and urged Washington to pay its membership dues in full.
5: The U.S. withdrew twice from UNESCO, which had a negative impact on the organization's work. Be a member of of an international organization is a
3: serious
2: issue
4: before it can rejoin the biden administration will have to pay off 600 million dollars in arrears plus a 10 million dollar bonus to support the organization one expert is raising concerns that instead of reclaiming u.s leadership biden's funds will give beijing an upper hand instead
3: what's happening now is that china and Russia can can block u.n security council decisions um, that are necessary to defend democracy and freedom around the world? Um, China is trying to take over the entire organization and run it uh, for its own purposes, um, you know which would ultimately be global hegemony.
4: he stressed that the u n has changed and that countries like China or Russia should be excluded for violating democracy and human rights um,
3: you know it may make sense to first remove China and Russia from the United Nations, for example, by refusing them visas into New York City, uh, Paris, Rome, Switzerland, uh, you know, just cancel their visas. If those four countries uh, that the cities are connected to obviously uh, cancel their visas, you know, maybe we could essentially kick them out of the UN.
4: He noted that action would cause a major uproar.
3: But China and Russia, by threatening and actually engaging in war against their neighbors, um, it's not only Ukraine and Taiwan, but it's also India, Vietnam, suffered a war in 1979. Um, These countries are violating the UN Charter. They're violating uh, the Human Rights uh, Declaration of 1948. So it's, um, you know, they really don't belong in the UN anymore.
4: Core added that allowing them to stay and have an influence over how U.S. tax dollars are used globally is a problem.
1: Coming up, China's Huawei back in the spotlight after a top European Union official urged fellow EU states to ban the high-risk Chinese supplier without delay. Four years ago, the telecom giant was poised to control 5G networks globally, but now its goal has been reduced to mere survival. What does Huawei's decline say about the geopolitics of the tech world? We hear from John Pelson, former chief convergence officer for British Telecom and author of Wireless Wars, for details his comments after the break here on China In Focus. Welcome back to China In Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. China's telecom equipment giant Huawei pushed itself to the status of a global player, only now to find itself kicked out of much of the West. We examine what caused its fall, plus a rare meeting between China's communist leader Xi Jinping and someone he called an old friend. Bill Gates is in Beijing and plans to pour $50 million into China's medical research sector. What does the friendship say about U.S.-China relations? We sat down with John Palson, former Chief Convergence Officer for British Telecom and author of Wireless Wars, for more. Thank you so much for joining us. Great to have you back on the show.
5: It's good to be here, Tiffany.
1: So Bill Gates is in China. He met with Xi Jinping, who actually called him his first American friend that he met in Beijing. What do you make of this close relationship?
5: A friend of China is a term that is not actually a uh, uh, complimentary term. A friend of China is someone who is on board with China's objectives and goals, is aligned, is in harmony with what China is trying to achieve. When it's just the ego stroking and the alignment, uh, which is probably what the case is with Bill Gates, they become a friend of China. And it's, uh, it's as I said, it's not necessarily a good thing because when you look at who you're aligning yourself with, it's really a friend of the CCP is what they mean, not a friend of the Chinese people.
1: And it seems on the flip side, Secretary of State Antony Blinken is also in China. He's getting quite a different welcome. He got an unfriendly call with Gang, China's foreign minister, on Wednesday ahead of this trip. What do you make of that contrast, especially with Gates and Blinken?
5: Well, Blinken is not a friend of China. Uh, Even if the administration is a little bit uh, schizophrenic in how they want to deal with the CCP, uh, first we're tough on them, we're banning Huawei, and then we're talking about wanting to make them uh, uh, a trading, you know, improve trade ties with China, which is, I think, very different. Uh, Blinken represents the U.S. government, and so they're going to be posturing with him as they have, saying that, uh, what was the line about not dealing with America shouldn't believe we're dealing with China from a position of strength. I mean, that's a pretty provocative, uh, rude uh, expression to use. So Blinken is over there as, a, as an emissary of the U.S. government. Bill Gates is over there as an ally uh, in many of the causes that China is looking to uh, advance
1: and on that note, it seems China has been rolling out this red carpet for businesses, especially business leaders. We saw Elon Musk there, Jamie Dimon with J.P. Morgan Chase, and then giving kind of the cold shoulders to the White House. What do you make of that kind of message coming out of China?
5: It's kind of a funny thing. They know, uh, they've always known that the businesses and capitalist societies are there to make profits. The government side is just very different. It's not pursuing, even though commerce wants strong markets for American suppliers and good markets uh, for vendors to America, there's a very different uh, agenda for the, for the government.
1: And we do have Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen saying, oh, we're going to de-risk with China, but not decouple, kind of on that message of trade. But then in China, you do have these clampdowns on Chinese, at uh, least U.S. consulting firms in China, so Bain & Co Gro- and Minsk Group. What is the signal coming out? It seems a whole mix-mash of messages here.
5: Some really strange decisions that have been made in China. When you start shutting down the due diligence firms, just as people are more suspicious of what's really happening with Chinese financials, I think when they start shutting down the the ability for a Western inve- investor to confirm that they're not engaging in a, a misuse of funds, that they're not putting themselves at risk, just when China's becoming the riskiest it's ever been since, since its development 40 years ago, that's a, I think that's a bureaucratic decision. It's a bad decision, and it's born from a lack of understanding on the part of Chairman Xi about what the implications will be from doing something like that.
1: And John, you mentioned Huawei earlier, and speaking of Huawei, it seems the EU is saying it will stop using telecom providers, Huawei and ZTE, in their country. Those are banned in the states, but what do you make of this latest move out of the EU?
5: Uh, I love China's response to this. They talked about how uh, there's no legal standing to be doing this. It's not allowed. China suddenly is a big fan of the rules-based order of the Western countries. This, is, you know, this doesn't stand under this mutually understood system of uh, having to follow the rules and do what's uh, mutually been agreed to. The fact is, this is matters of national security, and the rules-based order is being applied properly because it does make allowances for doing things that aren't purely, uh, purely business, but are really focused on countries preserving their sovereignty and their national security.
1: And in terms of this move by the EU, what does that mean for us here in the States?
5: The decision to block uh, Chinese vendors, you have to keep in mind that it is not just about being hacked. Right? It's about being reliant on China for a critical supply chain element, your communications networks. Forget being hacked. China can hack the Nokia networks or the Ericsson networks. So it's it's harder for them than if they build the system and deploy it themselves. We have to remember, first of all, that this is a supply chain issue also. So the united states is starting to realize that we can't be relying on china for supply chain now despite people arguing that we're doing this for commercial reasons america advocates this and our ambassadors and state department are, are promoting this for our own financial reasons we still don't have a dog in the fight there's no american vendor that's going to swoop into europe and start providing replacement equipment equipment for huawei you have a couple companies like mavenir that are making systems they're uh Relatively uh, tiny compared to the behemoths, uh, Nokia and Ericsson, they're the ones that are going to get the money and, and deploy the systems here. And it's better for everybody in Europe if that's the case.
1: And given all these different movements that we're seeing, either in the EU now, but also in the States, what can countries do to protect themselves?
5: Well, you have to look at your supply chain integrity if, if you're you know I've, I've talked to you tiffany about the example you if you put a lock on your door it doesn't mean no one can break in but if it's a locksmith you're worried about and you've got a problem and so if you're buying stuff from china uh you don't have to worry if they have a way to disrupt your supply chain they are your supply chain and all they have to do is just stop supplying you if it's uh, pharmaceuticals or, or precursor ingredients for pharmaceuticals if it's electronics the board whatever the the Uh, components or technology or finished products are, if you're getting it from China and you need it, and you've made yourself vulnerable. So we have to make sure that we have diversity in our supply chains, and we're not reliant on someone who sees us as an enemy. We still see them either as a a rival or a competitor or some as an enemy. They look at us as an enemy. Enemy, We can't give them that kind of control over our own economy and our our lives.
1: John Pelson, thank you so much for your time. Thank you.